So a guy walks into a bar and says, hey, I want to change a bunch of things in my life. And I'm hearing about 20,000 reasons not to from my mind. Which of these is worth listening to? Which are not? And what tools can I use to simply be better at change? The bartender looks at him and says, well, what does he say? One encounter, one opportunity. This is the Serve Conscious Podcast, the voice of the mindful service movement. Welcome to the show. So before we begin, I'm very excited to announce a new partnership between Serve Conscious and the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness, IOM is an amazing not-for-profit that is dedicated to bringing mindfulness into as many avenues of the industry landscape as possible. So they work with people and businesses to research, develop, and implement mindfulness programs that are most effective at up-leveling, you know, the health, happiness, and capability of the workplace. And they also work with people like me to give their missions maximum impact and value to organizations that will need it the most. And what's in it for them? Well, a better world, of course, you know, greater awareness and compassion at the organizational level has quite a knock-on effect into society as a whole. And I'm really inspired to know that organizations like IOM are out there as catalysts for mindful living, revealing how easy and practical it is for anyone to incorporate. Really, guys, mindfulness is for everybody. Links to the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness are in the show notes. Hey, and while you're there, why don't you check out the links to the Facebook group, Inspired Hospitality and Service, as well as the ones for iTunes, where you can leave me a review and more people can find the show. All right, welcome to another edition of the podcast where I plug in the principles, ideas, and key points that I discussed with uh, my most recent amazing guest into mindful service life. So my most recent interview was with Kelsey Mathis. Kelsey is a graduate of a career in the hospitality industry who's now committed to a life of transformational coaching. She teaches people how to create necessary change in their lives. She incorporates a lot of powerful tools to help them do this, besides just the sort of strategic, therapeutic conversations that coaching often involves. She also incorporates meditation and general holistic living practices in order to make the person she's coaching a more receptive and effective vessel for creating the life they want. So it definitely seemed like the overarching theme of the episode was creating necessary change in your life. The importance of it, the art of it, when to apply it, and the challenges you will face along the way. One of the first challenges we've discussed exists within all of us. Well, actually, all obstacles to necessary change exist within us. And really the name of the game is developing self-awareness so that you can witness and work with these obstacles. 
The first one isn't going anywhere soon, so you may as well make friends with it. This is your ego. This is a main agent to resisting necessary change within you. Kelsey described it as something that is really useful. I mean, it's our whole system of identifiers and story creation and structure in defining who we really are within us. And this system is not generally very receptive to change. It likes to keep everything the same. It loves continuity. And in order to move forward and grow, one cannot take themselves so seriously. Their struggles, their dramas, and whoever it is they think they are. Let's talk first about addiction to drama. She reflects on her years in the service industry and being surrounded by people who give meaning to their life by exaggerating the weight and importance of their struggles, which ends up making them somewhat of a victim to them and beaten down by them. And they may be casting themselves as a character in a drama of noble struggle, as I've discussed with other guests before, this idea that by saying how beaten you are, you seem like this martyr hero. You seem like you've really lived, but in fact, this just drains us of our potential and our ability to actually create a life that we enjoy, that we are happy about, that we're thriving in. And all we do is simply give our energy into a path that begins to consume us. And we work and we work without any purpose or direction and are just doing it for the sake of doing it and are defining ourselves and creating an identity around this person that works and struggles and has nothing left to give any of the parts of their life they really enjoy. And then a life of usually consumption begins. Alcohol, drugs, whatever, in order to counter the pain and strain of this life. And a pattern develops of work, complain, consume things to numb the pain of all the stuff we've told ourselves is so terrible through the complaining. In fact, all of the challenges and circumstances of work are actually neutral. We choose to create the drama around them. And we do so in order to give them importance and thereby giving ourselves importance through our engagement in these challenges, right? We're important because our challenges are important and terrible. But this is defining our value by things outside of us. Not only that, but things that are generally destructive to our well-being. So really we're enslaving ourselves and our identity to the whims of our environment. And things like meditation connect us to who we really are regardless of what's happening. Most of us define ourselves in reference to whatever's happening, like how we feel or what someone said or how we think we tend to respond to things 
rather than something deeper, some core sense of ourselves that is much more stable and calm and aware and wise. So meditation connects us to this, and then all the things happening around us don't tend to have the dramatic weight because they're just things happening. And we don't need to paint some narrative of dramatic weight onto them in order to give them meaning because we are already connected to who we really are, and that has innate meaning and value. And she also identified another thing that tends to happen in hospitality professionals is they get so locked into their patterns they can't imagine themselves to be capable of anything else. And their other hopes and aspirations and even hobbies fall by the wayside. She described her own acting career as getting consumed by her hospitality work because she felt so committed to the struggle and began turning down acting work, something that was her true passion, because she felt so obligated to continue with her restaurant work. Now, this decision is obviously fine, if that's what you prefer to do, but she described it as a wake-up call to changing something in her life because she had somehow found herself feeling obligated to a path and somehow overly identified by it. She suspected that there was something more to her and her life. And these are the kinds of feelings of discomfort that push us into making necessary change in our lives. And I've had many periods of this in my own career in hospitality and in life in general, where I was like, there has got to be something more than this. I've definitely tethered myself to something that I'm defining myself by, that I know that if I break out of it, if I take a leap, I will maybe feel uncomfortable for a time, but discover a new layer of growth and fulfillment in my life. And that's just what she did. That lurched her into uh, learning about health, well-being, meditation, and discovered her love for teaching the power of this to others. She then made this the focus in her life, becoming a meditation teacher and transformational coach. This brings up another interesting point that was raised about the ego and identity and doing things that are new, we actually get conditioned out of it as we enter into adulthood because we're trained to specialize and commit to a path and invest all of our energy into climbing the ladder of that path. And what happens is we forget our capacity to learn something new. Now, there's something to be said about being committed and developing mastery in one area, but we are also dynamic beings with a capacity to be very good at many things, and in fact, that is what facilitates the most robust brain health and, of course, the most joy and fulfillment that we can have in our lives. However, we are conditioned out of the tendency to do this, to learn new skills. We will often talk ourselves out of trying anything that we don't think that we would be good at because we haven't been doing it our whole lives. We'll compare ourselves to people that have been doing it for 20 years and say, I'll never be like them and we'll never do it. And 
this is not always how we thought. In fact, we are designed to always want to try new things. And kids will just pick up something that they've never done before and enthusiastically begin to experiment with it and learn the skills of it without worry about performance because kids aren't so worried about performance as we are in adulthood. So what gets in the way is ego. Egos need to look good and perform well, but also the egos need to keep everything the same. As in, this is my identity, these are my skill sets, this is what I am good at, and these are the limits of my capabilities. I'm not going to waste my energy humiliating myself with the learning process of a new skill. This is so common with uh, people in hospitality to somehow get a sense that they're not capable of much because they've collected a lot of stories about who they are as a hospitality person. And they think, well, I'm doing a job like this, therefore I'm this kind of person with these limitations. I'm gonna list a few perceptions of the work we do in hospitality that may be embedded, which may tend to form a false self-image. And I'll list some of these beliefs in hospitality, none of which are true, by the way. The first one is that the work doesn't require much skill and Done unconsciously, it may seem that way, but done consciously, hospitality work requires tremendous skill in communication, in paying attention and listening and being sensitive to emotional states and needs. That is probably one of the biggest skills you can have in the world of human beings to listen to and understand them and deliver what they need. That is the essence of becoming successful at pretty much everything. Juggling tasks, holding multiple things in your awareness at once, while still showing up as someone that is attentive, caring, calm, and joyful. That is extremely difficult to do, and very good for mental flexibility, and cultivating presence within challenging environments. Environments that are literally counter to the very act of being present. I'll name a third one uh, due to time limits, even though there are infinite, endless skills that get automatically cultivated in this kind of work. The third one is making people feel welcome, safe, comfortable, and good about being themselves. Honestly, every person in every profession can do more of this to create better relationships and be more effective at what they do, regardless of what it is, technology sales, you know, medicine, whatever. Life is about creating relationships and you get automatically good at that working in hospitality. Another belief about a hospitality work that emerges happens especially after you've been doing it for a while. And that is that it is the same every day. It is routine and it is mindless. In fact, very few jobs deal with changing circumstances and demands more than hospitality. Very few jobs require more nimbleness and adaptability to change than hospitality. You're dealing with so many different people and their unpredictable needs and quirks and whatever it is they're going to throw at you and you need to be absolutely ready to show up for them 
and adapt to anything that goes wrong. Hospitality is also the art of graciously and gracefully dealing with error and failure and disruption. And it requires incredible resilience in order to really be the person you want to be and serve like the person you want to be and continue to create the experiences you want to create within uh, these changing circumstances. And the work is routine and mindless insofar as you are not mindful, as you're not paying attention to all of the nuances of what it is you're doing. And you can actually keep doing the same thing every single day and discover new layers of it and its power if you're really paying attention. You know, simply intently clearing a table and intently filling water and intently taking an order, how you do that, how you show up to that makes a tremendous difference in the effect and effectiveness of your work. And if you feel like you're just dealing with the same kinds of people every day and you're hearing the same stories and the same stupid comments and questions and it's beginning to feel samey, then you are not paying attention. Simple as that. But honestly, if you're feeling in a rut, then that is a sign that you are ready for some kind of change. You need to change something. Either change your circumstances where you work or change yourself. Shift something in your life. Change always starts from within anyway. Start there and then look at what it is in your life that you can change to align more with who it is you've discovered you truly are. Kelsey and I touched on this near the end of the show. It's worth reviewing because it is ultimately a question that keeps us hanging in suspended animation, wondering, do I leave this job? Do I leave this relationship? When, why, and where to? Well, first, start paying attention to it. Start doing it with respect and care and start really finding things that you do enjoy about it and seeing what it gives you. It is impossible that it's not giving you something. That's an exercise you need to start with because if you're unable to do that with care and respect, then no job is going to make you happy. No relationship is going to make you happy because a good job or relationship requires someone who's willing to have a good relationship to it, especially its unglamorous parts because most jobs and relationships are not romantic. There's just a lot of day in and day out. Listen to the parts where we discuss meditation and working and living mindfully as an antidote to this sort of humdrum day in, day out feeling we begin to have with our lives. Another belief about hospitality that tends to hold us back from our true potential is that hospitality isn't meaningful. It's that it's just this like, you know, frivolous, debaucherous, dysfunctional sort of job. And it's only that if you make it that. And it's only that if you choose to be in environments that are preoccupied with that. Um, many aren't. You know, many workplaces are not all about that. Simply drinking, eating, getting drunk, being dysfunctional, being self-destructive. But even in those environments, it's your choice, the meaning and value that you experience in that work and the meaning and value that you bring to the people you serve. In every moment of service, there is tremendous potential to bring meaning into people's lives 
that resonates outward in their lives as a sort of knock-on effect from the encounter you provided. And I'm going back to a very recent episode where I discussed Ichigo Ichii, the Japanese principle of one encounter, one opportunity, and how honoring the present moment brings endless power and possibility for lived experience, and it does not require a significant sort of setting, event, activity, etc. for a meaningful encounter to occur. All you need is you and them. And you've got the ingredients for life lived to its highest potential. In Japan, they experience this through tea ceremony, but really pick any daily activity and apply the principles of Ichigo Ichii and the same powerful effect is available to you. So if you don't think that you're capable of doing meaningful work, doing wholesome, valuable work that contributes to the well-being of others and humanity, and you don't think you're really practicing for this kind of work in service because it is meaningless, think again. The work that you do in service, the role that you play, the relationship you have to your job and all the people in it, from your coworkers to your guests, those are crucibles. Those are laboratories to practice as the person you want to be and become a master of being individually yourself. And this will lead to one of two directions, both of which are equally valuable outcomes. It just depends on what you want. The first one is you actually enjoy and get fulfillment out of hospitality work, or you enjoy and get fulfillment out of hospitality work while you're doing it, but you're also at the same time laying the foundation for some other path or avenue in your life that you truly feel called to do. Now, this doesn't mean denying and resenting your hospitality work. You'll find that actually fully engaging in it is the way of preparing yourself for that next level of pursuit. And you may think, well, it's about skills and knowledge and, you know, getting my resume right so that some other industry will hire me or my business will thrive or et cetera, et cetera. But really, it's about learning how to fully embody yourself authentically and show up in a way that brings value to others. And one way to do that is to just keep serving. It doesn't matter what you're serving, just be able and enthusiastic to do so. So what is better practice at serving than actually serving? <laughs> serving professionally in a restaurant, you know, or a customer service department or retail or whatever. Become an expert not at the technical aspects of the job, those are easy. Showing up present and ready to elevate the lives of others, that is contagious. That makes people want to hire you in any industry worth pursuing or become your client in some way or collaborate with you doing anything. Are you a person of service? You are. If you get good at serving something that seems unsexy, like a simple meal, and whatever higher form of service you wish to engage in, you will be 
absolutely tempered to do that by showing up to your restaurant job or wherever it is you serve. All right. I hope that was a helpful summary and expansion on the points that came up during my amazing conversation with Kelsey. She was so awesome to have on the show. I look forward to you listening to the interview if you haven't already and any thoughts you have about what I brought up today. All right, check out the website, www.surfconscious.com for more free content. Everything on there is free. And also, I'd love it if you could give me a review on iTunes and also join the Facebook group so we can get deeper into discussion about all these points. Great. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye.